0: My name is David Bromelow, and I have the privilege of being one of the Elders in this church at One Hope, and uh, I've been incredibly blessed by that opportunity. And um, So thank you for having me this morning up here. Um, If you don't know me, um, I'd love to get to meet you at some point and have a conversation as well. let 2024 be a year where we really press into God, and we go deeper. Matt is constantly encouraging us from this platform to go deeper with God, to really seek after the heart of God, to to have him, um, to have that relationship with God that transcends all other relationships, because the Lord is faithful. And we sang a song just before. Great is thy faithfulness. I don't know about you, but that song always moves me. It may be that I was a little Anglican kid, brought up in an Anglican church or something, in it, you know. But it deeply moves me because great is God's faithfulness, and that is my life story. My life story is I stand here before you, a 60 plus something. Don't try and guess. Um, you know. That's been my story. Ever since I've been working with God, walking with God, God has been incredibly faithful to me. So I just want to encourage you. This year, make 2024 a year where you go deeper with our Lord Jesus Christ. Where you go deeper into the presence of God. Where you seek after him with all your heart. And you will find him. Because he's always found for those who seek. Um, Our view of the Lord, by the way, determines how deep we will actually go with him. You know that? Our view of the Lord determines the way that we perceive our Lord and his love toward us. And um, the Lord of all creation, the Omega, the Alpha and Omega, wants a relationship with you. He loves each one of us passionately. And completely and absolutely. He created us. He kn- the Psalms say he knitted us together in our mother's womb. He knew us before the foundation of the world. He knew that you were going to be here, sitting in this seat today. That's the incredible thing about God. You know. Like, and he loves you passionately. And he yearns. He yearns. The Lord actually yearns for intimacy and relationship with us. That's an incredible thought. He was the God who created the stars and all that incredible universe. He created the world and everything in it. And yet he wants a relationship with you and me. I just, you know, when you reflect on that, it's just incredible, really. But he wants intimacy with us. We are created to have intimacy with God, to have that connection, have those conversations, have that engagement with God. He has created us in his own image, a little lower than the angels, the word says, so that he could have the fruit, the creation, and all of that. We were given a role to, to look after and care for God's creation. He gave us a specific role. And part of that leads me into this whole issue of prayer because I'm talking really about prayer today. And prayer really is very simply a conversation, it's a conversation with a God who deeply loves us, is passionate about us, wants the very best for us and will lead us and direct us should we give him the opportunity to do that. That's an amazing thing about God and I've discovered this in my life and I know that many of you, many of you sitting here are already living testimonies to God's work and the way that he works in people's lives. Each one of you sitting in this church is here for a reason. You're precious unto God. And and each of you has already had an experience of him to be here. But I just want to encourage you today. Um, You know, know there are some memories and experiences that we carry that are pivotal to who we are. And one such memory that I have is as a 16-year-old lying in bed in the early hours of the morning wrestling with God who was calling me back to himself. Excuse me. It's still a powerful memory. Um, I'd come to Jesus at a Billy Graham crusade in Melbourne at 11 years old. And um, some of you who can remember in the far, vast distant past, um, Billy Graham came out, came out to Melbourne and he preached a number of times. And my mum came to Jesus in that same Billy Graham crusade. And I was a little kid who was struggling with a whole lot of stuff. I I was very depressed. I was actually incredibly anxious. I was actually very broken. And I came down the front. I, I remember being propelled out of my seat and running down the front because I knew I needed something that I didn't have, and that was God. I knew I needed a loving Father who would impact my life. And so, anyway, um, that was an incredible experience. And I lived in the, that experience for a while, but gradually that fell away. And the world kept pounding on the door and entered through a whole lot of ways into my life. And by the time I was 16, I would, I'd really made a mess of things. I was, I'd firmly taken control of my life again. And I was, I was living a life that was not pleasing to God. And I was struggling. And in fact, um, I was making a real mess of it. I was struggling with depression and I was questioning my existence. I was desperately lonely. Even though I had people all around me and I would have been considered you know, popular, I was desperately on the inside, desperately lonely. I needed change. I needed someone who would really love me. And I'll never uh, forget, you know, there I was arguing with God because I knew that He was calling me back to Him. That that night it was so apparent to me. It was about like 2 a.m. in the morning or something, you know. Like I just woke up and 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 I I just knew that God was calling me back to Himself, and and it was just one of those. But I, I was I just didn't want to come back to Him and be a hypocrite or live away in a way that was going to be. Just opposed to what I knew he was calling me to, but that loving voice kept calling me back, and I finally gave in. Would have been maybe four o'clock in the morning. Like I surrendered my life afresh to Him, and I, I can still feel that sense of incredible peace that passes all understanding just flooded into my being, and and a, a, a joy welled up from my spirit. I knew, I knew that somehow I was different, that something had happened to me that was very powerful. That's a moment that my life really changed. It changed because of a conversation with God. It changed because I encountered a loving, beautiful, caring God. That changed my life and the next years I've lived out of that. Over the last. Now, you know, I'm not saying I'm perfect. And obviously, there have been highs and lows, and there have been times when I've had to be brought back to God. The Lord has called me back to Himself. And that's a pattern of our life, isn't it? You know, we, we're transformed from one degree of glory to another. But it is a process, as Matt points out, it is a process that takes a lifetime. And God is never finished with you. You can be 110 in the old folks' home, dribbling into your beard, and. You are still being worked on by God. God has not given up on you, and He's not given up on you learning and being taught and changing. And that's that's the exciting thing, you know, because God God's never finished with us. He's always got something new to reveal to us. And I believe that part of the experience of heaven is going to be having constant revelation of God's glory. We're going to go from one degree of glory, but we'll 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 you know just learn more about God as as we get in that place. Anyway, yeah. Um, okay what is prayer it's simply a conversation with God with a father who wants to take our brokenness and our dysfunction and our needs and our desires and he wants to take that stuff and he does and he gives us in its place healing encouragement strengthening and he helps us to change That's, that's who we're dealing with and that's who we pray to. And I guess in uh, our greatest model in prayer is Jesus. Jesus models prayer to us. And um, if I could get the guys to stick up um, our, our, I call it our Lord's Prayer, being a good little Anglican boy as I was. Um, but in fact, the Catholics call it our Father. They just call it our Father. How beautiful is that? Because that's really who we engage with. Um, In the Bible, obviously, there are lots of examples, but I want to refer us back to this prayer that Jesus speaks and teaches his disciples. Jesus himself often withdrew around key moments in his life, and we see this at the beginning of his ministry, when he's called into the wilderness for 40 days and is tempted by the devil. And yet he resists the devil and he comes out of that experience and launches his ministry after 40 days days of prayer and fasting. And his ministry shakes the world to its very foundation. There are many other examples where Jesus withdraws to a quiet place and prays and seeks his Father. And Luke 4.42 says, after a busy night of healing and delivering people, Jesus went out to a quiet place. In Luke 5.16, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. It's clear that Jesus absolutely relied on prayer, the conversation with his Father to ignite and empower his mission. And the mission of changing the world and bringing the world into a relationship with God the Father. Jesus drew on that prayer in chapter nine, nineteen. Sorry, chapter five of John, verse nineteen. Jesus says, "Very truly I tell you, the Son of Man can do nothing by himself; he can only do what he sees his Father doing." How does Jesus know what the Father is doing? He does it through prayer. He discovers the heart of God. Through connecting in conversations with his beautiful father. That's where he, he gets the, the, the dynamite, the um power, that, that ability to, to, to go out into a, a broken world and bring life, healing, and restoration. You know, Jesus does that. Now, I know many of us um, are regular prayers and we, we come before the Lord regularly. And I want to just, this is encouragement. You know, keep going, persevere, because God will answer your prayer. Um, and, you know, um, so Jesus drew on intimate communication with his Father. So, when, Jesus, when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, you've got to remember they were already proficient in prayer, they came from a culture that was that prayed. You prayed at the festivals, you prayed, um, you know, all the time in in that Jewish culture. Prayer was very much something that people did. You look at the Psalms, it's full of prayers, right? So it's not like they were asking Jesus for, um, you know, more of the same. There must have been something very different about the way that Jesus prayed than they had experienced, and it's it's that incredible power and intimacy that comes from Jesus' prayer that drew his disciples toward this, desiring the same level of intimacy and connectedness with their father, with the heavenly Father. And this prayer um, really does it. In fact. Um, By the way, do you notice that when Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, he actually does it through praying, by the way. Prayer is an action. Okay, It's not just some theoretical abstract thing out there, but it's actually a conversation. It's actually an action. Um, Tyler Staten in his book, Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools, and by the way, can I highly recommend this book to anyone, all of you, That's a fantastic book. In fact, I've got a picture of that book. Um, Thanks, guys. Oh, anticipating me beautifully. Um, Picture of that book up there. Guys, if you want a really good contemporary book on prayer that that really, um, I think, just is so full of great ideas. And the thing I love about um, Tyler is that he actually... Um, has practical application at the end of each, each um, chapter. And so that not only do you read and, and begin to understand what's going on, but you also have a practical application of that, of that uh, specific area that he's been talking about. And that is such a blessing, that is such a blessing. And Kathy and I in our, our um, prayer times together and our prayer times alone have been incredibly enriched by some of the little insights that come out of this book. So I just really encourage you all, get a copy. Right. If you need a need to borrow one, I've actually ordered three from They Haven't arrived yet, but um, uh, I've got three which will um, I'll lend to anybody. You know, like yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So okay. So when Jesus asked the disciples to pray, he um, there's something different about his prayer, and and Tyler Stainton puts it like this. Jesus prayed differently. He honoured the common Jewish prayer rhythm, but he prayed with a sense of familiarity with God that no one had ever seen. He also prayed with a reverence that was more than just cultural, but it was sincere and honest. His prayers were conversations, not just pleas, involving as much and probably more listening than talking. And it's that listening that's so important in our life with the Lord. Not just the things that we have that we want to present to him, but listening to what, what is your heart, Lord? What do you want for me? What do you want me to do in this circumstance or situation? Um, so Jesus starts by recognizing, when he starts this prayer, he starts at "Our Father in heaven, Our Father in heaven." And he starts by recognizing who he's talking to his father. In today's world, that brings up all sorts of reactions within us, doesn't it? Father, the word father. Sometimes they're full of pain. Okay, Sometimes that that word father is full of pain for us, influenced by our earthly fathers who've been maybe abusive or absent or uncaring or uncommitted or vacating not there. For others, there are still wounds from their fathers who did their best but were broken themselves and as a result have ended up wounding unintentionally the ones they the very ones that they love. As a father myself, I know that you know, you can't as much as you want to do it all right, you end up not doing it all right. You need Help, and one of the wonderful things is that God knows that, and He provides the answer in Jesus, who can bring us the healing that we need, so that we can move on in power and in relationship in a way that. And and I've got, I've got a great story about my dad. I you know. Um, I, when I was at Bible College um, I had uh, you know um, it was at one point where I was convicted by God to go to my father and apologize to him for all the things that I'd done to make my dad 's life uncomfortable and i'd done plenty all right and I had to go and apologize to him for all those times God really laid that on me and my dad was so gracious now my dad made a lot of mistakes too and but by going to apologise to my father I opened a door to a new relationship with him that was really dynamic, that was really different from the relationship we'd had before. And here I was at 40 years of age thinking I knew it all. It was, it was quite amazing actually. Um, and, and so, you know, we can have transformative change, it's never too late, never too late. But you know what? God created the perfect fatherhood. Jesus was talking to the one who actually created fatherhood in itself. A perfect father, yearning to love and embrace his children, to see them grow and develop and to see them actually reach all the potential that he placed within them. And that's that's the father who he prayed to. Yearning to love and embrace his children, This actually combats the lie that God's distant and disapproving. Peter Gregg, the founder of the 24 7 prayer movement, says, Your power in prayer will overflow from the certainty that the one who made you likes you. And I love that. I love that. God likes you, He likes you. You're okay. He's not scowling at you, He is on your side. What a great thought. The Father of all, the creator of the universe is on my side. He loves me. Um, the prayer that Jesus gives it goes on and says, hallowed be your name. The word hallowed is an old one and it means honoured. Your name be honoured. And it's also your name is holy. There's a number of meanings to this, but holy. God is a holy God. He is a righteous God. He is somebody who really cares about um, He's one who is perfect in every way. Um, And it's when we adore God and recognise who He is and and enter into um, adoration of God, praise and worship that we actually really discover who we are. Do you know that? When you discover who God is, you discover who you are. Because the scripture is full of scriptures that relate to who we are in Christ. You know, we're more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. Do you know that we are made in God's image? That we are set apart as a holy nation? We're a royal priesthood. We are kings and priests unto our God. The Bible is full. And if you only have to look through Romans and look through Ephesians... Ephesians one and two talks about us being seated with God in heavenly realms that we are his divine creation, something special unique valuable and if we don't see ourselves that way, we'll never enter into the things that really make a big can make a huge difference to our world we've got to start seeing ourselves as God sees us, not as we see ourselves and and this is an area that I, I'm pretty Uh, qualified to talk about okay Um, because you know um, having had not uh, you know doing lots of things wrong I need a saviour okay Um, yeah so remember when we see God as he truly is we also see who we truly are Um, he goes on the prayer goes on um, your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and here Jesus is calling us he's calling us into intercession to pray for a broken world to pray for those relationships around us and all that sort of stuff he's praying uh, calling us to pray for a world that is incredibly damaged but also to pray for our neighbours and our friends and our loved ones and the ones around us and, and pray for the intercede for all who come into our our um, Ambert, um, D.L. Moody, the famous American preacher, um, he was only one of he was one of nine children. He actually uh, had a grade five education. He went on to be one of the greatest preachers of all time. In the eighteen sort of eighteen ninety late eighteen hundreds and early nineteen hundreds, he brought about a million people into the kingdom. That guy through his preaching. Um, But he was absolutely reliant on prayer. His ministry was totally reliant on prayer. And he said that on numerous occasions. The interesting thing is he used to carry a little note in his pocket um, with a hundred names on it. And that hundred names were all friends of his or people he knew who didn't know Jesus. And so when he actually... um, And he prayed for those people every single day. And, you know, the incredible thing about that is 96 of them came to know him at the end by, by the end of his life. 96% strike rate. You've got to say, that's awesome, Lord. That's awesome. But you know what? At his funeral, the other four came to know him, came to know Christ. It was 100% strike rate. That's incredible. So, And, and it sort of reminds me that I need to be praying for the, my neighbours and my friends and those around me who don't know the Lord and who need an encounter with Jesus. So, you know, I'd encourage you. Um, be like Dale Moody. Have a list. Pray for them every day. You know, it might be five. might be ten. A pretty good. Um, all right, give us today our daily bread. Right smack in the middle of the prayer is this petition. The petition to Lord, give me what I need for this day. And the principle here is that God says he wants us to ask. The Bible says, ask, seek, and knock, and it shall be given unto you. Um, And the door will be opened to you. When a blind man cried out to Jesus, Jesus turned around and said, what do you want me to do? And the guy goes, heal me, please, Lord. And of course, Jesus laid hands on him and healed him. And in the case of the pool of um, Bethesda, A man who'd been waiting there for 38 years to get change, to get healing, lying there on his little pallet on the hard marble floor um, so he could get into the water to get healing. Jesus comes up to him and obviously Jesus saw him there and probably seen him lots of times there in this pool, or lying by the side of the pool, and Jesus says to him something that I think is interesting. He says, "Do you want to get well?" Hang on a minute. When well, the guy's in front of the healing pool, you know, where's this going, Lord? You know. But he wanted to hear the man acknowledge that he wanted Jesus' help, and that's actually a key to what God's doing with us in the petition for our daily bread. Why does God, he wants, he wants firstly, he's, he wants our permission to work in our lives. That's the first thing. Second thing is that he, uh, he wants, he asks because he wants relationship with us. When we're asking, we become vulnerable, you see. We risk rejection or disappointment um, or silence. We take a risk. You cannot build trust with God unless you ask him for things. And it's on his answers that build our trust. Now they may not come, you know what, they may not come straight away, they may not come for a while, they may be a different answer from what you were expecting, but God will always answer your prayer. He will always, always answer your prayers. My life story is God answering my prayers, not in a way that I necessarily anticipated, but always, always, always answering them, always connecting with me, always showing me this is my answer to this. And you, know, you, can, you can be assured that that is what God does. Um, Jesus refers um, to that when he says, "'Which of you, if you, your son asks you for bread, "'will give him a stone, or he asks for a fish, "'will give him a snake?' If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more would your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Ask him, and he'll give it you good gifts. Um, the uh, God's provision in our lives has been constant. Kathy and I have got lots of stories, but I haven't got time to go into them now. So... Um, um, the next bit is forgive us our debts. Forgive the things we owe. In fact, the word there is sins. Forgive us our sins. The things that separate us from God, the things that break down our relationship with God. Forgive us, Lord, for that, those things, just as we forgive those people who are actually doing sinning against us or or wounding us or hurting us or, or breaking us. Now, this is this is um, an area where Sometimes it takes a long time before you can get to a point where you can actually forgive someone. Because if you've been abused or you've had trauma or or terrible things perpetrated against you or against those you love, that, that sticks like a sore, a wound in your soul. And in order to get release and freedom from that, it's important to find, firstly, we're part of a community, get prayer for it but secondly if you need to get go to a counselor and talk about these issues or or find find healing I strongly advocate you talk to counselors or um, psychologists to get some help with that so that you can actually forgive because the Lord actually requires us to forgive and forgiveness will set you free it'll set you free and I um, so Jesus is very mindful of that. So um, then he also talks about um, the lead us not into temptation. As um, T.D. Wright, uh, theologian, says, uh, don't bring us into great trial. Lord, protect us from the trial and the tribulation, the temptation to do things in our own strength. Save us from ourselves. Um, but deliver us from the evil one. You know folks, there is an um, enemy of our soul a, that we live spiritual warfare is a real thing. We actually this, there's an enemy of God and us out there who wants us to fail. He wants to rob us. He wants to um, take everything that's good and turn it into bad whereas God's plan is to take everything and turn it to our good. So you need to be aware that there is a spiritual reality out there. There is is an enemy of our soul who wants to drag us down and destroy us and and, um, subvert our lives, and we we, um, need protection from that, and we can pray for protection from that. Deliver us from the evil one. Um, Jesus teaches us to pray, acknowledging who God is, our loving Father, As a result, we discover who we are, his dearly beloved children, of a loving, merciful God. He calls us to intercession for others and a broken world. He asks us to make our request to God, known to God on a daily basis. We are to ask God to help us acknowledge our own broken areas, the things that separate us from the holy and righteous God. And we need to forgive others. Also, that he would not allow temptation to overwhelm us. And that he would protect us against the schemes of our enemy. All of this is about having conversations with the Father and listening to him. And the Bible is just full of encouragement. And I'm not going to go on any more than this, but to say that Paul picks up this theme beautifully. And he says, you know, pray without ceasing, 1 Thessalonians 5, pray without ceasing. He talks about the necessity of coming before the Lord Regularly, all the time, and and um, connecting with our God. The thing I liked, loved about Tyler Staten and his um, his book, which has had an impact on me, is that he talks about creating holy ground, a place where you can pray. You know, my holy ground is my car. Do you know that. I spend uh, in my um, last role, I spent time travelling from. Uh, Drysdale to Warren Ponds. And so in that 35 to 40 minutes, I would spend time in my car praying to the Lord, sometimes crying out, sometimes worshipping, sometimes actually crying, very unmanly, um, crying um, before the Lord, um, sometimes feeling just broken and wretched, other times just really rejoicing. But that became my holy place. And even now when I get into the car, I immediately turn on the worship music and I immediately go into connection time with God. It's amazing. I've built a pattern into my life that really works. Guys, whatever that might be for you, whatever that looks like, can I encourage you to do that? Second thing, have um, recognise that um, take up opportunities to uh, read and expand your knowledge of prayer and how prayer works. And so read books like the one I've just recommended. Um, also, uh, take the opportunity to pray with others. Create opportunity where you can be in small groups or larger groups. Have a prayer buddy. Have you know? Find others that you can pray with and can really connect with, and who will love you and who will pray for you, with you. There is something incredible about community when we come together to pray, not just in pairs, but also in church opportunities. Kathy and I have been practicing ten minutes a day of silent prayer before God, of just sitting there and saying, Lord, you speak to me. You just minister to me. I'm just available. I'm available. Push, but you have to. in order to do that, you have to push away all the stuff that wants to get in there, all the urgent, the necessary, the important, and the phone calls, right, or the text or the, or the whatever, okay? Get rid of that stuff. Take the time to actually spend time with the Father, and, and um, hear his voice, listen for that still small voice. Jesus came that we might have life, abundance and intimacy with God. All right, we're now actually going to go into a time of communion because I thought it's good for you to practice what I'm preaching. Um, so we're going to actually, um, in this time of communion, what I'd like you to do is just have, take a few moments just to speak to this Lord who loves you so much. And lift up to him whatever it is that might be burdening you or might be stressing you or might be um, impacting your life right now. Lift that up to him. Surrender that to him. Give up control of that and say, Lord, I'm going to lift this to you. And as we take the communion, I want you to take that, not just in remembrance of Jesus Christ, but in remembrance of the fact that the Lord lifts our burdens. He takes these things from us. And he brings restoration, healing and wholeness to us.